Commerce. I'm your host, Ryan Kramer, and this is my corner of the internet where I bring the best and brightest in the Amazon in e-commerce space. That being said, just want to give a quick shout out to our presenting sponsor back behind me. As you can see, the, the logo fell, but that's what it is uh, doing live. I didn't see that before we got started, but Ping Pong Payments is our presenting sponsor. What Ping Pong Payments does, it helps people save more of their time, money, and effort. If you're doing cross-border payments of any sort of kind, whether it's paying your manufacturer supplier or just their virtual assistant or any sort of overseas entity, and you want to pay them in localized currency, Ping Pong Payments is a solution for you. It's free to sign up. It's quick and easy. Once you have all of your KYC or your compliance uh, information put in, and it takes no problem to set and receive money that day uh, as soon as you get approved. So once you get once you get approved, it's free to sign up and start saving money instead of going through costly banks, going through any sort of other uh, solution that might want you to pay exorbitant fees. It's really great to save money this time of day, or obviously this time of year, obviously, but when it comes to your business, every dollar matters. And that's where Ping Pong Payments comes in. Sign for free today. You can go to usa.pingpongx.com forward slash podcast, or you can just go and uh, search for us online on Google. And that would be the best way to find us. But go into that podcast website. You can find all of our past episodes of Crossover Commerce, as well as the transcripts and all of our past 188 or 87, I should say, right now, episodes that we've had today as they upload the transcripts, the key takeaways, everything like that will be uploaded as well. That being said, this is episode 188 of Crossover Commerce. We're trucking right along on this week. We started out um, yesterday with just really great information in terms of um, in, ter- in terms of uh, tra- Tracewell with looking at AI and helping you build as your key next key uh, businesses are coming on the line in those native brands onto uh, onto either marketplaces like Amazon or your own direct-to-consumer. But today we're going to take a little bit different look at what the industry is looking like today in the age, and it's, and it's literally touching everyone in the business landscape. And that is project management as well as supplier management for highly regulated industries. So what does that mean? That's a great question. Uh, what's a highly regulated industry? Uh, is it difficult to get goods in, products in? Is it difficult to work with manufacturers or distributors? What does that lead time look like? We're going to cover all those questions um, and, and get those answers for you. So if you have questions like that, believe it or not, this is a live podcast if you're new to joining us. You can ask your questions on Facebook, LinkedIn, YouTube, or Twitter, and just submit those in the comment section. We'll see those, pop them up on the screen, and we'll get our guest and myself to answer those questions as they come through. Or if you would just want to say hi, that's also okay as well. So without further ado, I want to go ahead and bring on our guest today. Her name is Angela Thurman. She is the founder of Thurman Company. Uh, she is from Houston, Texas, and she's going to be joining us here on Crossover Commerce to talk about just that topic, very topic. Without further ado, Angela, welcome to Crossover Commerce. How are you doing today? Good morning, Ryan. I'm doing fine. I'm happy to be here, and it's great to yeah. talk to you and your it's, audience. Well, I appreciate that, and I know they appreciate that too as well. Um, so you're joining us from Houston, Texas. A lot of people might think, what's in Houston, Texas? I know what's in Houston, Texas. Uh, <laughs> it's it's the hub of aerospace engineering, but I know your background, but for everyone else who may not have heard of you, or wants to learn more about you. Give me your your minute or two of who Angela is. Oh, I'd be happy to. So I'm an electrical engineer by training. 
and I, uh, I have a master's degree in telecom. So my background is pretty much in telecom and aerospace. So my first job out of college was with NASA, where I... Um, I've heard of them. Yeah, yeah, we've heard of them. Uh, so I, um, I worked on the power systems of the space station prior to launch. So it was way back. But um, so I managed suppliers who were developing the power systems of the space station. And then uh, several different courses in my career, I landed in telecom, um, worked for different companies. Um, landing um, ultimately with Sprint. And um, so I, I worked in the planning departments. I, uh, you know, where we were figuring out how many different um, pieces of equipment do we need to service this market? And then um, actually putting new equipment, whether it was fiber optic cable, um, you know, lay, laying fiber optic cable, putting in new switches um, and so forth um, for the the backbone, um, the cellular equipment as well. And then um, one thing led to another. And then I was back in aerospace where most recently I spent 10 years with Collins Aerospace, a major U.S. aerospace company where I managed suppliers um, where we would purchase complex devices that were then integrated into systems that Collins sold to all the large OEM companies, original equipment manufacturers like Boeing and Airbus. Wow. So, so you had a hand in a lot of the different things, the comings and goings, if you will, I think it would be fair to say the ins and outs and the the pieces to to make essentially rock rockets or just make the wor inner workings of rockets be be become available right is that, is that fair to say um so i've never really worked on a rocket project or let's say like yeah for, for engineering station. space stations and things like space that space station and aircraft yes holy cow well I won't say uh, if people say I'm not, I'm not a rocket engineer or uh, rocket scientist or anything like that. You're you're darn well close to the closest thing I know in terms of that capacity. Right? I always I always <laughs> have this little joke. I tell people it's I'm not a rocket scientist, but I can introduce you to one. Oh my gosh, that that's fantastic! Well, it's, a, it's such a cool background. So uh, did you? So it sounds like you, your plan was always to get into aerospace engineering and product uh, and project management. At least you you specialize in that. Uh -huh. Super, super uh, valuable, especially in today's era. Obviously, as as people were coming and going um, back in the, was it 50s, 60s, 70s, obviously the space race to mm -hmm. uh, the moon. But nowadays, it seems to have become ramped up. And I'm just curious, again, this is, we're talking aerospace. Now it's become a tourism attraction where I yes, believe the likes of, if you're a football fan, which I'm going to assume in Texas you are, uh, like my, likes of Michael Strahan are going to space this week i believe and uh -huh. it's just a, a thing where you're going to go around and you see billionaires pouring money into like jeff bezos uh, uh elon musk they're putting a lot of money into space exploration so what's that like been what's that been like for the aerospace industry as a whole 
Oh, well, it's just, um, it's just expanded exponentially. And of course, here in Houston, we see a lot of that. I mean, we've got um, not only NASA, but we've got um, a lot of the commer um, commercial space companies as well. So that's that's really in, in at the Ellington Air Force Base and so forth. They're not going to go out of business anytime soon. That's perfect. So so that means so I, I I guess my question is, what you do currently right now? What what is what is like your day to day life? So for people who are painting the picture mm -hmm. and you're my listener and they're saying project management and supplier management for aerospace mm -hmm. that how how can that apply to you? Like, what is the genesis and why is that a difficult job to do? So I guess let's start up. <laughs> why are you why are you the master at figuring out this puzzle that we all are trying to solve? So you mentioned and, and I'm focused on highly regulated industries. So um, so air transport is is a highly regulated industry, primarily because of the safety factors that are involved. So anytime you're dealing with something where the public's um, life, um, their safety is involved, there's going to be government regulation of that industry, and rightly so. Um, another industry that we would consider highly regulated would also be the automotive industry. So there are a lot of safety factors and guidelines, and um, you don't just go out and put together some random pizza pieces and parts and and drive that vehicle on the highway um, unless it's been um, approved and certified and 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 it's regulated I mean it has to pass certain safety checks right another industry would be the uh, pharmaceutical industry and that's for the public's health and safety um, food and beverage, there are a lot of things that have to be controlled for public safety. Right. And and so, I, I, I was, I was going to say, I, I think a lot of the things that I'm hearing are things that you either, like obviously transportation and travel, very regulated in, industry because your lives are literary and in, in that product's hands. More, even scaling it down though, anything that you consume or you put on yourself, I would say topical or consumable mm -hmm. is that is that something that you also work with as well uh in terms of like ingredients or making sure uh the those like for example like a supplement or uh baby food or an, even an electronic like a small electronic are all those things that you touch as well or is that something a little off your your radar for now that is something that i certainly would consider i haven't in the past but the processes that i use would be um, applicable to those markets, certainly. Okay. So with that being said, how, how does that process work? So if I'm, is there, is there a way or is there a place that you can go as if I'm an entrepreneur, uh, mm -hmm. a small business owner, you know, mm -hmm. I want to start a business, whether it's in uh, some of those categories, right? I, mm -hmm. I'm not going to myself make a car, but I want to have a business of maybe a supplement or a, an electronic or something that could potentially pose a risk. And mm -hmm. I want to vet this out. Do I come to you first, Angela, or is this down the road after I've make, made my product, I've had my sample, and all of a sudden I'm gonna, I want to get that last check box before I start selling it? What do I come to you in that process? Well, a good a, a good thing to do um, 
someone in that position might come to me and say and ask, um, what are the processes, you know, what is the process to um, ensure that I've met all of the um, FDA um, type of requirements? Do I, do I, is this going to be a food or a drug? Um, what kind of process map do I need to have in place for my manufacturing process? Um, is, what is my factory going to look like? How can I make that efficient? Um, where, what do I need to consider about my own suppliers, um, my ingredients, my packaging, my shipping and delivery, and that sort of thing? And how do I ensure that those suppliers are going to be um, successful and, and, and make me successful? And that's where I can help wow. as well. That, there's a lot There's a lot to unpack there and a lot to think about. So yes. where where's the biggest problem that lots of people come uh, to you for an answer? Is it is it in that planning stage or is it in making sure that those check boxes are made and say, Hey, again, I don't know if this is going to be a drug or a food or what, what's going to be classified because I'm assuming there's going to be lots of different, once it goes down one path, there's going to be way different regulations. Different questions, different regulations. Right. Yes. Um, my sweet spot, if you will, is those small to medium sized businesses who have begun to recognize that their supply chain is at risk and they don't have the in-house expertise to identify and mitigate the risks that they're exposed to. And um, that's what my team and I um, help with. So what so, is at risk? What would at risk mean? Let's clarify oh, that for people. So, so there at risk. So, if, there are so many <laughs> risks in the supply chain. So it could be something as simple as, oh, I have a, a vendor that is a small uh, family owned business and they don't have any sort of business continuity plan for what happens when the patriarch of the family steps down. And so what will happen to my vendor at that point? Hmm. Interesting. So if I'm working with a supplier manufacturer and my point of contact just stopped working, they retire, they move on, they, for, uh, you know, worst case scenario, they die. Um, and you no longer have that point of contact in, I'm assuming like a different country or just like part of the world. What and happened? That, is that, that tribal knowledge goes away too. So, and that happens in so many small businesses. They don't have, I mean, it's like, the father who started the business, has been running the business for 25 years, has not transferred any of that knowledge, has not documented any of that knowledge. Mm -hmm. So and, is, that, is, and, that, is that on the, is that on the, sorry, I, I don't mean to cut you yeah, off. Yeah. Um, is that on the business owner or is that more on the supplier side? To me, that would be the business owner would that be the business owner's fault or is that the supplier's fault or is it well let the in this particular case the the that 
small business owner is your supplier. So as, um, as my small to medium sized company who is using that vendor, you know, what are you doing to audit your supply chain to expose that sort of risk? Makes sense. Okay. So, and then, and then yeah. you have the, you know, the um, everyday world events types of risks. So what happens w- when you have, you know, for years you've thought, oh, if I, if I aggregate all my purchases of these widgets with one supplier, I'll get a volume discount. My costs will go down. And so that's what I'm going to do. And then lo and behold, there's a tornado in the town where that supplier manufactures. And now you can't get widgets for three months. Um, So you have to balance those sorts of purchasing decisions. Maybe you should not aggregate 100% of your widget purchases. Maybe you should sort of have um, a balance of 60, 40, you know, and try and get your widgets from two, um, value added suppliers, um, still getting the best pricing that you can, but, um, mitigating some of the risks that both suppliers would be out of business at the same time because of some, you know, is that, is that that a, big problem you're seeing with the lots of different small business owners are they're solely reliant on one source. And yes. if you take away that leg, for example, the, the traditional milk stool, if you will, of the three legged milk. stool, if you take away one of those legs, it, it all topples over. Is that mm-hmm. what a lot of people are suffering from right now is I only have one source of manufacturer or supplier and mm-hmm. I don't have a backup plan. Yes. Yes. Because so, Because for so long, costs have driven all of those decisions. And, and there has, there has been a, 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 a decision to, to put all your eggs in one basket to get the best price. So in that, in that capacity, we, we see that too. So if I, if I'm listening to this, I might relate to this as a seller or a business owner and say, so that's why it's taken me so long to get my products into my warehouse where it used to be in time shipping or fulfillment. Now it's now it's in 2021. It's become more apparent that when you strain the system, whether it be just on e-commerce or just in, in business in general, and you have all these external factors weighing on you, that can and you are well oiled machine, you one piece of the cog can completely come undone everything in, in between. So how are you? helping people find those different solutions to help say, well, if this part of the the supply chain breaks down, it's all going to naturally shift over to this one with my help. And this is what we can do. So my team and I have um, a, a risk factor um, analysis that we can help companies perform where we evaluate a wide variety of supply chain risk. And it can be everything from, does your supplier have a documented process for all these different things to um, how do they manage 
their inventory once it hits their dock. Um, are let's let's say they're a um, an electronics manufacturer, and their um, their operators are going to be soldering parts onto a board, for example. Are those do they have documented um, evidence that those operators have been properly trained in how to solder, and are they regularly updating their training? Um, all of those sorts of questions. There's there's just you know a whole variety of things. You know, do they have um, do they have a plan? for ensuring that their facilities are um, cared for, um, uh, updated, you know, everything from have the fire extinguishers been checked to um, who's in charge of, of uh, the um, HVAC and, and uh, checking that, you know, maintaining that type of equipment. So as a business owner, this might sound blunt. Does that, I mean, do some of those things matter to a point? Like what, what are the, what are, if I had a report mm -hmm. and I'm going to say this angel, I'm going to just like be very, very, very blunt. If I had a report and I said, everything looks good, but the fire extinguishers, they're not up to date or up to code. Does that matter to me as a business owner or what are the major components that you're like, no, but this actually matters, and this is why. What are those key components some people might overlook? But they actually are a very, very um, important part of showing who this business is. Maybe that, and you have maybe an example or two that you can tell that that, cons that customer, or in this case myself, of, no, let me tell you why that actually matters, and this is why. Well, for just using the fire extinguishers as an example, yeah, you want to make sure that their facilities has or have working fire extinguishers in the event that they needed them. Sure. And um, it also shows evidence that they care about the maintenance of their facility and that they're investing in the maintenance of the facility. Makes sense. So what, in that regard, um, is, that, is that going to, what are the major ones? Like what's that major component that you require every customer to look at of this is what I, these are the must-haves like if it's my wish list on a supplier mm -hmm. this is angela's must-haves on a reputable supplier or manufacturer and so oh. that if my if our clientele here at ping pong say oh mine doesn't have that maybe i should look into that more and it kind of mm -hmm. sparks that that thought process what are the must-haves for you and your team that they have to have checked off Oh, I would say a business continuity plan, a quality management plan, um, a materials supply plan. So how are they ordering material? How are they receiving it in? And how are they keeping their inventory? That would be really important. And then the rest of them kind of depends on what kind of business they're in. Sure. Um, is there, is there a country or countries that you are seeing or working a lot with? Is this a lot of the old traditional model? I would say is, I say traditional, it's still very popular of 
90% of feels like of manufacturing happens in China. Uh, it, it depends on the materials that obviously you're using. It could be like natural one. If you're natural products, they're coming from India. Is there, is there other countries that you're working with besides those two major ones? Uh, globally for us based sellers or entrepreneurs? Well, well, my company is very, very new. I mean, I only formed my okay. company in June. Sure. And so it's still um, trying work to in progress, get, right? It's still a work in progress and trying to get um, uh, companies to recognize that there is this uh, solution available. Mm -hmm. So I would say. Um, so who are the ones you're working with right now, I guess, like what countries are like you are in constant working with and you have that great relationship already within the six months you've been working. Um, I, I really, I can't, I can't, oh, say. I can't say. Okay. So never mind. I yeah. was going to say, so is there uh, that's no problem. So we will, yeah. we'll table that for, uh, I, my other thing is, so I guess, I guess that leads me down the question of why now I, again, six months into a business, why, why now? And why is this the solution that people that you and your company fit? uh, as a solution, like, is, is there, was there a glaring need that you were just constantly coming over and over again? Mm -hmm. Um, and this is the one where you're finding this nice little space that you can, you and your team can sit in and say, mm -hmm. there's a lot of opportunity here. And this is why. So, um, when I was at Collins, I was a subject matter expert and a team leader for, for Collins for, for doing this. Um, and I would lead a team, to to go out and evaluate existing or prospective suppliers and it usually was you know weeks of work so we would um we would send a questionnaire out to the supplier um in advance to help them prepare and then we would actually be on site usually for for about three or four days um we would tour their factory um, with intensity. And then we would spend the rest of our time um, quizzing their team on all these various areas of risk and then provide an output um, for their leadership team with the results of our findings. And that was something that I really enjoyed and I found a lot of value in it. And so when I formed my own company, I thought, you know, especially in the midst of what we're experiencing in the world today, and I, I can't go a single day without hearing supply chain, supply chain on the news. And Same here. Yeah. <laughs> I, I thought this just seems to be something that is missing in in our economy and i i um i felt like i could improve on what i saw was being offered in in the market so i wanted to make that available as a service when i when i launched my com my company fantastic <laughs> I, I love i love hearing those stories because what I saw an article recently, and you may have seen this too. I believe it was either in, it was in a major publication uh, newspaper. Uh, it was, is the supply chain management, albeit it's tough right now, 
is this the opportunity where innovation really comes and opportunity happens Yes. where instead of just crying, complaining and fixing what we already had in place. And I think, I think with any sort of strain on any sort of system, whether it be in logistics, like it is currently right now, or medical or in uh, economic or retail or anything like that, once you find a certain strain on the system, that's where a lot of innovation comes. So with that being said, you, you have your hands and boots on the ground in that place from early before let's call it pre-pandemic like 2019 to now what have you seen as a major change in in the project management or even supplier management space mm -hmm. uh and it's really impressed you as you've seen that grow in just that short amount of time in project management i think the the number of people that actually are wanting to become project managers um as a member of pmi i've seen a um a great increase in the number of, of people wanting to join pmi a greater interest in becoming a certified project management professional um there are new groups forming on linkedin all the time people wanting to um you know further um define a group, a study group, or an interest, a special interest group, something like that. The availability of content to help you prepare for project management careers, that's been really, really good. And then new tools being developed to help um, project managers succeed. I've seen a lot of that as well. Because I've been a project manager for over 30 years and um, it's it's really encouraging to to see that the the um, the career is being um, recognized and and held up as a, as a choice that you know that this this could be a career path that you can choose and you can be successful in. Absolutely. I was thinking uh, when you were saying that, I've had a lot of people on this show that have said there's just a lot of opportunity, not just for in the supplier management side, but also just women in supply management. So yes. uh, that, that's another emerging market, which you, which I wouldn't think, uh, never thought to think of that. It, and it's not just, um, you know, people behind computers or anything that it's yeah. like truck drivers. It's people that are at the docks that are people who are in factories. It's, mm -hmm. it's all of those. It's all this uh, ecosystem. So, uh, Angela, what, what's kind of the looking more at the business side and this highly regulated industry? I would think that it's very niche for you guys um, mm -hmm. because you're you're familiar with this. Is that is that something that is it's more times like what what's the time equity that you have to put into something like this industry versus mm -hmm. something where if you're creating like you said a fidget spinner or something like a piece mm -hmm. of clothing I mean, clothing is a little bit different. It can go either mm -hmm. way, but like a ceramic mug or mm -hmm. <laughs> something where it's not, it's pretty cut and dry. There's no more in, consumer goods, right? More consumer yeah. goods, no real ed, inherent risk. I would say mm -hmm. like still risk needs to be checked off, but no, like real inherent risk. What, what What's that varying degree of what you have to one versus the other? Well, the highly regulated industries, you know, like like aerospace, for example, um, you have to factor in 
all of the additional time and effort to um, to get the product approved or in some cases certified and that that really requires additional um, effort on the on the the uh, or by the project manager uh, and a lot of a lot of other team members too but you um, yeah, there's all of the the testing and the documentation that has to be submitted to either the the certification body or the government agency, what whatever that may be. So, it let's let's say that you've got a, a new part that's going to go on an aircraft, and and that part has to go through a number of different tests. I mean, it's not, it has to go through electrical magnetic interference testing. It has to go through things like smoke and toxicity, um, water vapor testing, fungus growth testing. I mean, just, a, it's a huge, huge number of tests and it takes months. It has to pass all the tests and you submit this to the FAA then they have to review it and, and, and approve the part before you can begin to manufacture. And so the project manager has to track all of the tests and, the, and that they pass the tests in a certain sequence and, and then submitting that evidence to the FAA, getting the approval of each test and you usually have to do some of these tests at outside labs. So you have to book the time at the outside lab. And that involves payments and contracts and things like that. It's a lot. It's just a lot that has to happen. So I guess in that regards, why do people get in this space if it's so regulated? <laughs> I, I would say like, <laughs> no, I, I, I guess like a consumer, this would be if I'm a business owner and I'm I potentially want to create a product, like you said, or a consumable or something that has to go through the stringent test. First and foremost, where do I, where do I go and learn about all the different kinds of testing that might be in that category? And mm -hmm. Is there a resource that you can point people to? And then second, do you, do people just like not, when they get into the space, they don't have that sense of, there is a lot of background, the testing, there, is it just as simple as people just aren't aware of that resource or that reason? Uh, they haven't had it done before they get into it? I think that most people that are going into this area are aware um, that they'll have to go through these areas of test. Um, and, and yes, the, the, the FAA does publish, you know, these are the, the, the DO <laughs> testing and, and you, um, you can ask, you know, what kind of testing does my part have to uh, complete? And it partly depends on what area of the aircraft um, the part will be located. Um, but why do people go into this? Um, a lot of it is, uh, uh, well, obviously for the money, but then also 
um, there's a certain glory factor, I think, um, you know, because it's, it's, it's exciting to be a part of this industry. And um, I think that that's, that's part of it too. What's the uh, most exciting thing day to day that you have to do and are getting to do that gets you excited waking up? And then is there a consistent headache that keeps occurring over and over again that keeps you maybe up at night? Um, what, what are those two answers for you? Well, um, I, 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 yeah, I get up. <laughs> I, I love getting up and going to work every day. And I, I love um, solving problems for, for my customers, whether it's a, a, a software integration or a manufacturing solution. Um, I'm also the secretary for the Texas chapter of women in manufacturing. And so if it's, you know, mentoring someone that's just coming into their career in manufacturing, um, there's, there's a lot, a lot that uh, challenges me every day and gives me uh, a purpose. Absolutely. Uh, so, yeah, it's, uh, as far as headaches. Um, Where do you start? <laughs> I, you know, there are challenges, there are opportunities every day. And I wake okay. up in the middle of the night and I'm like, oh, oh, don't forget to do this. And I'll, I'll send myself a text or I'll, um, you know, add it to my to-do list on my phone every night. So that's, I think that that, that growing to-do list <laughs> is my headache, but I'm very, very grateful for my assistant uh, that keeps me grounded and helps me with the, uh, the to-do list. <laughs> absolutely. We could all use a good assistant here. And we, oh yeah, absolutely. I, I keep like, yeah, I keep trying to find one and, uh, it hasn't happened yet, but we need a, we need I can to make a recommendation for that. I was going to say, I know there, there needs to be a lot more, but that's, that's opportunity. Right. And I think, yes. uh, when I was looking at your background too, you love like learning and growing and, uh, mm -hmm. there, there's a lot of that opportunity in news, I think broke yesterday, you talked about manufacturing in, in Texas. I yes. believe Samsung just announced that they're putting a yes. semiconductor, a pretty significant a huge, semiconductor, huge, huge one in, in Texas. Uh -huh. I was going to say so, or just outside of Austin. So mm -hmm. that being said, I hear a lot, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hone in on Texas a little bit, just because I feel like a lot of people talk about um, logistics coming through California or obviously on the coast. Texas is kind of this like hidden, clearly it's on from uh, Asia or the uh, Eastern countries getting to Texas a little bit more difficult because you have to go through Panama Canal um, mm -hmm. and whatnot. But how, how has Texas fared in terms of logistics and getting import-export? Because obviously Houston's a part of that. I believe mm -hmm. there's a couple other major ones on the coast of Texas. Mm -hmm. What's Texas's growth been like for you as part of this manufacturing chapter uh, that you were talking about a little bit earlier of? Mm -hmm. Is it exciting? Is it a lot of growth and you don't know where to like turn your head and give attention to. I feel like there's a lot of being put into specifically Austin, Texas, but mm -hmm. just all around Texas in general. Texas, Texas is definitely growing and Houston in particular. I mean, we talk about Austin. Austin is just blowing up. Houston is as well. And it has been for the, for a long time, the fourth largest city in the mm -hmm. United States. And I would not be surprised if with the latest census, it's, it doesn't exceed. I think it overtakes Chicago. It yeah. overtakes Chicago. Yeah. Yeah. I was going to say it would be uh, uh, New York, LA, 
Chicago was always third, and then Houston, but I think it overtook Chicago. I so, think so is it what, what? What's the? I guess on a business sector, not that you're pitching Texas or have to. <laughs> what's this? Not that a lot of people don't understand it. What, what's the biggest component? Because I think a lot of it is manufacturing and mm-hmm. supplier management and logistics mm-hmm. are happening in Texas. Why? Why mm-hmm. do you think that that's the case? Like, why are a lot of people like a like Tesla, Tesla, like uh, Samsung, why are they putting factories in Texas? Is it people power? Is it um, economic? Um, you know, the situation in the environment's good. Like, uh-huh. well, why, why Texas all of a sudden making these these big headlines? Well, one reason is that Texas doesn't have a state income tax, and that that's a plus. A, that's a plus. <laughs> and then also, there are a lot of resources. you know. Texas is a very big state and a great, you know, a great interstate highway system. We, we do have access to the coast and then a, a lot of, a lot of people and a lot of people that are highly skilled. Mm-hmm. So I think that makes a, a big, big difference. Right. Does that, does it also help to um, even just with uh, the proximity I'm talking specifically about Houston, since Houston's so close to um, the Mexico border, isn't that mm-hmm. also a positive to have like that yes. hub as in yes. in Mexico and have that cross border um, relationship with Mexico? Like, yes. w- can you can you talk about like kind of the international opportunity too in terms of Texas too? Yeah, there are group? several cities um, along the border that, just like they have in California, we do have several cities in Texas that are. Um, cross-border um, sites where, like, like you had Calexico, we, mm-hmm. have, you know, we have we have cities here in Texas that have those. I, I don't want to. This is not really my area of expertise, but no, I mean, that's fine. I want to say like free trade zones. Right, that makes sense. Yeah, and without going into specifics, that makes more sense. Where it's it's almost a we recognize that you are working cross border as either a company or it's going a go between site. Right. Will, and and employees going back and forth as well. Sure. Makes sense. Well, I mean, with that, it just seems like what, what, so kind of wrapping up in our episode today, what's your future outlook in terms of like specifically your industry, obviously your business is growing probably mm-hmm. substantially in the, in the last six months since you started and then just in this field, what does it does it seem overwhelming or it just seems opportunistic or what's kind of that outlook look as we close out 2021 to mm-hmm. go into 2022 what, what's that real big focus for you and your team there so i would say that it's ripe with opportunity and as a as a result i'm i'm always looking for um really good experienced project managers um and you know whether that's software based or it's hardware based, um, someone with experience in supply chain, and you know I'm I'm really looking forward to growing my team, helping more and more companies, particularly those small to medium sized companies that need that expertise that we have to offer. And I just think that. For, for me and my team, there's there's lots of opportunity and um, we're just excited about what 2022 has to offer and we're here to help. Love it. 
in that regards, Angela, what, what's the best way people can connect with you um, if they are, have questions about maybe a highly regulated industry or just want to pick your brain about, hey, I have this problem. Can you help me either connect me with somebody or mm-hmm. you yourself can help them? What's that best way to do that? Um, the best way is through our website, which is, uh, yep, that's it, thermancode. Come prepared. Yeah, thank you so much. Yeah. So thermoco.com, or they can connect with you. Is there another way, an email or on email, LinkedIn? What, yeah. Okay, email gotcha. Email to, to me directly, yeah. What would that be for people? Um, it's Angela at thermoco.com. Easy enough. Very cool. And then is that something where you guys are constantly taking on new clients or you're uh, you're just assessing? Like, Is there anything mm-hmm. particular they need to know when they reach out to you that they should come prepared with? No, just uh, tell me your story and your needs and we'll take care of it. Awesome. I love that. Well, Angela, thank you so much again. I know you're, you're, uh, we're going to talk a little bit after this. So why don't you stick around right there? Uh, but thank you so much, uh, for hopping our crossover commerce. Now I call everyone who comes on the show, a friend of the show now. So anytime that you have a need or want, or if you just want to hop back on friends are always welcome back into my corner of the internet. So thank you so much, uh, <laughs> for hopping you, on crossover commerce today. No, thank you so much, Angela. Um, and everyone else, thank you so much for hopping on Crossover Commerce today, if this is your first uh, or 188th time for joining me in my corner of the internet, that is called Crossover Commerce. I appreciate you tuning in uh, wherever you might be watching from. Again, LinkedIn, Facebook, YouTube, or Twitter. Or if you're listening to this on your favorite podcast destination, uh, that's where Crossover Commerce also lives too because there's so many different places to be. We want to try to get and reach you, um, obviously, Robin also tuning in. Great job, Angela. I agree, Angela. Thank you for tuning in, Robin. Uh, for listening, again, just a little bit about what we had to t- uh, talk about today. Again, highly regulated industries, which are always blowing my mind. There's so many tests and different resources that are available to people. Um, but like Angela said, there's a lot of money upper- money making opportunities as well in those industries. But it, it's going to take a lot of stringent, making sure boxes are checked. You're going to make sure uh, everything's uh as small as it might be, uh, or fire extinguishers need to be checked and regulated. What does that mean for your relationship with, uh, for businesses and whatnot? But it, it all is, it's always really fascinating. And I appreciate her to spend some time to educate our audience in that capacity. I'm Ron Kramer. This has been Crossover Commerce. Thank you everyone for tuning into another episode tomorrow. We have another great show lined up. We have the challenging, challenging the e-commerce giants with Amy Parsons of Ma. If uh, if uh, tell, if I could speak today, I would get that name right. But we're going to talk with Amy Parsons tomorrow. Really excited about talking about Italian, uh, her Italian brand and the ones that are uh, and the amazing things that they're doing over there. So that being said, make sure you subscribe to our social channels. Follow me on social media on Facebook, LinkedIn, uh, Twitter, uh, Instagram, as well as Ping Pong Payments. And that being said, this has been Crossover Commerce. Thanks again for everyone who tuned into another episode. We'll catch you guys next time. Take care.